0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. Today's sermon is entitled Unlimited Mind. We hope wherever you're listening, you are blessed by this week's message. I talked to you as I began talking to you last week about taking the limits off. Taking the limits off. And one of the things that the Lord just kept pressing upon my heart is the limits that we have are often found in between our ears. It's the thoughts that we keep, the thoughts that we rehearse. And the Lord is challenging us today to take the limits off of our mind, take the limits off of our thoughts. And I want to share a few things about your thought life and how you actually think and how you process things um, and, and what the Word of God says about it. I want to talk to you a little bit about your spiritual development as well, because a lot of the limits that we're seeking to to be removed will even affect how you grow spiritually. And whether you realize it or not, there is a cycle to spiritual development. I'll share that in a few minutes. But some of you, you're you're at different places. You know, maybe there was a time in your walk with God where you were just like. You were just so, you, you were so on high. Oh, I just love Jesus. Everything is Jesus. And I'm just so excited, so fired up. And then some of you, you're like, well, I, 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 I remember what that feels like. <laughs> I don't feel like that now. I feel like I'm just sort of coasting. I'm maintaining. I'm just kind of like, you know, moving around and not really sure where I'm going. And some of you are in between. So I want to just share with you what that looks like. But a lot of it stems from our thought life. I'm going to actually skip ahead um, from my notes. I'm going to just jump to Nehemiah 4, verse 6. And Nehemiah is a story where the children of Israel, they were in exile. They were in Babylon. They were captive. Jerusalem was plundered. The city was destroyed. And some escaped, right? And Nehemiah was one of the captives, and he was in Babylon, and he got word that the city and the walls were in ruin, and he was sad by that, and he had favor with the king, and the, fav- the favor of the king was that the king allowed him to have a delegation of men and to go actually back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall, and so even though he was a captive and even though he was in exile, he had favor, and he was given permission and resources to go and build a wall. Now, when they wanted to build a wall, this wasn't without opposition. This was challenged. They had enemies that didn't want this wall to be rebuilt. And I think this is a symbol, in a lot of ways, of our spiritual life. Your spiritual life can represent a wall. And sometimes in your walk with God, there are holes in that wall. Their openings, their cracks, and their enemies. There are things outside of you that will try to frustrate you rebuilding the strength of your walk with God. And so this is exactly the picture of Nehemiah. He sends men. He actually goes himself, and he's on a mission to actually rebuild and fortify the city walls of Jerusalem. I like the scripture found in Nehemiah it says, "So we built the wall. What did they do? We built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The people had a what? Let's say it together. The people had a what? They had a mind to work. So the wall was built because the people had a mind to work. Have you ever set out to do something but your mind wasn't completely on it and because your mind wasn't completely on it it was hard to complete it i want to just pray because i feel like there's a lot of people here your minds are cluttered your mind your minds are filled with things that prevent you from building things that god has called you to build and you start and you stop and you start and you stop and you get distracted And it's because you don't have a mind to work. But that's okay. We're going to believe right now that you will have a mind to work. Lift up your hands in the name of Jesus. Father, let the grace to be focused, the grace to be diligent. Let the clarity of your spirit that is available available to us fall to us right now decluttering every area of our minds and our thoughts, we receive a mind to work. We will build again in Jesus' name. You receive that? Yeah. Some of you, you started and then you stopped. You started and then you stopped. They said, the scripture says that they built the wall. They finished it because they had a mind to work. I'm going to jump ahead, Nehemiah 6, 7 to 10. It says, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. I love that. Sometimes in your rebuilding of your, your spiritual life, uh, your spiritual enemy, you have one, his name is Satan, he can perceive that the gaps are beginning to close. And that's when there is a heightened level of attack. Look at this again. I want to take my time here. It says, now it happened. When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very what? They became very angry. I guess we don't have it on the screen. They became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. This is Nehemiah 6, 7 to 10. All of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. How do you know when there is a spiritual attack? When it creates what? Confusion is a sign that you are being attacked spiritually. They saw that the walls were beginning to close. They became angry. And what happened? They attacked to create confusion. Nevertheless, someone say nevertheless. We made our prayer to our God. I know we don't have it on the screen, but if you can follow me, it's Nehemiah chapter 6. If you can grab it on your phone or wherever, 7 to 10, I'm at verse 9. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And that is the response to spiritual attack. You direct your attention and your focus to the one who delivers. You direct your attention and your focus to the one that is able to bring you up, to bring you out, to restore, to strengthen you. You, you, you. you redirect your energy and your focus to the one who was promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And then you begin to speak out against that spirit that is at work. I never forgot a scripture we found or we find in the Gospels where the Bible says that Jesus was on a boat and the winds and waves came and knocked the boat and the disciples were afraid and they woke him up and they said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? And the Bible says that Jesus came up and he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the seas. He rebuked the wind. And he spoke to the seas. Follow me here. He rebuked the wind, and then he spoke to the sea and said, Peace be still. He rebuked the wind. And many times we're speaking to the circumstances, and we don't speak to the wind that is inciting the circumstances. So Jesus rebuked the wind. And he spoke to the sea. And so I want to share with you, especially when it comes to your mind, if you feel that you're attacked in your mind, you feel that you're attacked and you have no peace and your mind is cluttered. Many times it's not just you. Many times it's not you just going crazy. (laughs) Sometimes you have to realize that the enemy sees the walls are closing, the gaps are closing. And there's an attack against you, against your marriage, against your family, against you, trying to frustrate your progress. What do you do in a moment like that? You rebuke the wind, and you speak to your mind. You speak to your family. You speak to your home. You speak to your church. You speak to whatever needs spoken to, but you rebuke the wind behind it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. So I want you to imagine this. They're building the wall, they're working the wall, and as they're building and working, garbage is piling up. And because the garbage is piling up, They can't work. And this is the importance of keeping your life free of garbage. Here's one of the the elements of spiritual development. You will develop, but there'll be times where there'll be garbage, waste, things that you don't need anymore. And if you don't get rid of the garbage, you stop growing spiritually. Let me go a little further. A mind to work requires a decluttered mind. A mind to work requires a decluttered mind. Let me share with you the cycle of spiritual development. Number one, or A, first, you have a mind and heart to grow spiritually. Anybody remember that time when you just came to Jesus and and, and you just, man, I want to grow. Oh, I want Jesus, and many of us are still there. Praise God! So I'm not trying to say like it's not there anymore. But do you remember the first time you felt that Jesus was so real to you? His love was so moving in your heart. You felt you started to lose an appetite for things that wasn't Jesus. Am I the only one? Do I have a witness in here? Is Jesus good to anybody? I'm, I'm, come on, Beth. You let, let, let them know. Yeah. There's that time where your mind is settled, and you're like, you know, I've tasted what the world has to offer, and I've come to a place where I'm not impressed by that anymore. I'm not moved by that anymore. I don't I don't desire that. I want Jesus. And your heart is sensitive to that, and you want to be in church, and you want to be in the word, and you're asking questions and you're growing and you're desiring to grow, and you're praying, and you're sharing your faith. That's what spiritual development looks like many times, especially in the very beginning. The next is that spiritual growth actually begins to take place. You start getting stronger. You start getting wiser. You start making better decisions. You start understanding the Word of God. You start having clarity. You're you're, you're no longer confused. God is working in your life. So not, not only are you excited but you're seeing the fruit of being in relationship with Jesus. This is what it looks like. See, this happens to all of us. You're met with spiritual distractions, confusion, discouragement, and attacks. Can anybody attest to that? I was doing well, I was on, I was, I was in my word, I was praying. 2020 came in, praise the Lord, it's my year, right? February 1st, okay, different story. What's going on, Lord? Why, what, it's still your year. I love that. So the, the reality is, is that spiritual attacks come, distractions come, discouragement come. This is the year me and my spouse we're going to reconnect, and we're going we're, we're gonna to be intimate. We're going we're gonna to be, be prayerful. We're going to reset our marriage. Praise the Lord. You're excited. You're starting to see development. You're starting to see. And then what happens? Distractions come. Attacks come. This is the year. I'm going to be focused. I'm going back to school. I'm gonna start going to start push, pu- putting forward the things that God has put in my heart. I'm going to be moving forward with that. Okay, wonderful. And then distractions, discouragement, attacks. That's part of it. Let me tell you something. Let me just ease your mind. That will always be part of life. So when it happens, don't be surprised by it. I said this before. How do you overcome attacks? First, expect them. That's it. The reason why people are overcome by them is because they don't expect them. This is why in Nehemiah, the Bible says they were building the wall. But while they were building, they had their weapon on the other hand. Come on, that, that's good teaching right there. They're building, but they also have a weapon on the, in, in their other hand. So while you're building, don't just get so focused on building and allow yourself to be vulnerable. Understand. And this is why some of you sometimes, let, 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 let me tell you something right now. Let me give you a key secret. I never shared this advice to you, but this is beautiful. beautiful. When you're building something, Especially if if it's or you're moving into a new phase, it could be you're entering a, a new relationship, or or you're, you're starting a business, or you're you're just you just feel like God is just pushing you in a in a specific direction. Get two three people. Say, listen, you are going to be my prayer team. I'm putting you an assignment, and I want you to hold me up in prayer night and day, Amen. For a period of two weeks, two months, whatever you feel you need, build a prayer team around you. Yeah, you'd be surprised what would happen when you, it, when you have people praying for you. Not just passing, like I, was, I felt led to pray. No, no, you were commissioned to pray for me. <laughs> so don't just pray when you think about me. I'm telling you think about me. Pray. You'd be surprised how that allows you to build quickly. Sometimes we don't build as fast as we can. It's because we don't have a prayer team surrounding us. So I'm telling you right now, Get a prayer team in the name of Jesus. Get a couple of people that you can hold, that you can hold accountable, and then you know they're going to pray for you. Right? It won't be every single day for the rest of your life, but you know what? There'll be seasons where you need people to take 10, 15 minutes out their day, go in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, lift you up. I'm telling you, there's something powerful in doing that. Glory to God. D, as we saw earlier, Waste and non-essential things pile up that are meant to slow your growth. So as you're growing, okay, you're learning, you're developing, you're excited, you're attacked, you're discouraged sometimes. What ends up happening sometimes, the next is that you start to have things that are in your life that are no longer necessary. I didn't say they're sinful. They're just no longer necessary. Rubbish, think about it. If you're building a a wall, if if you're building something, if you're constructing something, you have a whole bunch of materials, right? It is very rare in any kind of construction project that you're going to use every single piece of that construction material that you're building, right? So as you're building a wall, you might have fragments that you don't need anymore. You might have things that are no longer essential to this project. What happened was, as they were building, these things were adding up. They were building up. They were piling up. And because garbage was all around, they could not build. It was getting in their way. While you're growing spiritually, there'll be things that are not sinful but are not necessary. You need to discern what those are and get them out the way. Glory to God. I'm going to th- show this to you again. Eat. You purge out what is no longer useful. So first you discern what's wasteful, then you actually purge it out. This is no longer useful. This is no longer necessary. This relationship is no longer, this, this relationship has run its course. I don't have to cut you off and be angry and never speak to you, but it's run its course. So I can gracefully come to a place where we're no longer spending as much time. Are you following me? F, the cycle repeats itself. This is something that's going to always be. No matter where you are spiritually, this is what's going to always have to happen in your life. Let me show it to you this way. 1 Corinthians 13.11. We've seen the scripture before. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Let me take my time with this. When I was a child, somebody say, when I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But what happened? But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Be clear about this. Children cannot put away childish things. It's not saying, be clear, it's not saying to become mature you have to put away childish things. It's saying a mature person puts away childish things, which tells you that even in spiritual maturity, you will at times have childish things in your life that you have to discern and say, this is no longer useful. Children can't do that. So it's not you put away to be mature, you put away because you are mature. So, think about your closet. I know my closet. There's some things you no longer need, no longer fit you. Amen. Right? And you, as a mature person, you know, this church, you're like, okay, this is not, I got to put away childish things. This is a childish thing now. Children can't do that. And so, I want to let you know, because I feel in my spirit, you are mature, you are mature, and you have the responsibility to discern what's immature and remove those things. That's always going to be part of your spiritual walk. No matter how spiritual you get, no matter how knowledgeable you get, no matter how much understanding you have, you will always have to do that work. So I'm speaking right now, unlimited mind. And an unlimited mind is a mind that is able to discern what is immature and declutters in the name of Jesus. You will build again. You will be strong again. The walls are closing. The gaps are closing. Oh, I'm excited for where you're going in Jesus' name. Let me share a few with you. Limiting thoughts to put away. I'm going to give you just just two or three. Limiting thoughts to put away. Because some of us have limiting thoughts that you need to put away. I'm mature, I know the truth, I need to stop thinking certain things. One, I'm on my own. That's a childish thought. You are not on your own. Why am I speaking this way? It's because God wants to build some great things through you. You have to know you are not by yourself. And many times we're tempted to say, no one understands me. Let me tell you something right now. The Lord gave me this word. You are unique, but you are not uniquely unique. You understand what I mean? You are unique, but you're not uniquely unique. Everyone's unique, and that's what makes you relatable. So don't ever feel like you're just so different that no one understands you. No one knows what I'm going through. No, 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 no. You're unique, but you're not uniquely unique. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. Praise the Lord. Elijah was, you know, complaining one day, I'm the only one. Isn't that a high-minded thought to have? I'm the only one that hasn't bowed to Baal. And God was like, boy, are you kidding me? I got hundreds of prophets who haven't done that. But he thought, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. He says, no, you're not. Now, you may be the only one that you see, but you are not the only one. You're not alone. Sometimes you may be alone in a moment, in a space, in a time. But as Peter says, there are other, other, brethren, other brethren going through the same suffering you're going through. There are other people who are dealing with the same thing. So here's a childish thought. No one understands me. I'm by myself. No, you're not. You are not alone. You are not on your own. And even if you think you are, you always have the presence of the Lord with you. Why am I speaking this way? Because like I said two weeks ago, God's going to stretch you. I'm here to stretch you as your pastor. I'm going to push you into uncomfortable waters and you will be tempted at times to think I'm in a unique position. No one gets me. No one gets this. No, one, no one's going through this. No one understands this. And I want to let you know, when that limiting childish thought pops up, put that away. No, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. (laughs) Glory to God. I like that. Jesus, look at Jesus 16, John 16, 32. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered. He's talking to his disciples, meaning you're going to leave me. You're going to be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone. Because the Father is with me, so Jesus understood. You know what? Even though you guys are not going to be rocking with me for you know a few, a few, you know, in a few, you're going to be running away and scared and hiding and denying and lying and all this stuff. Guess what? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. The Father's with me. Somebody say, "I'm not alone." alone. Say it loud. "I'm I'm not alone. One more time. I'm not alone. I want you to realize I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Praise the Lord. I believe if we really get that into our heart, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. When I walk into this meeting, I'm not alone. Praise the Lord. When I go home, even if I feel lonely, I'm not alone. I'm not going to allow feelings of loneliness to, to just creep into my heart and, and, and put a, a, a stain in my soul that you're rejected and you're this and you're that. No, I'm not alone. The Father is with me. Amen. Amen. Here's another childish thought to put away. Something must be wrong with me. Maybe I have bad luck. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt like you had bad luck? Like, man, I just can't get it right. Nothing good ever happens for me. Like, I just, something must be wrong with me. Children have that thought. Children have that thought. And here's the word of the Lord. Put that away nothing is wrong with you. Praise the Lord. Oh, God is good. Mm, I love that. Nothing is wrong with you. I feel something here because I think sometimes what we confuse is things that maybe we need to work on with something that defines who we are, and God sees something. He sees it differently. He can see you as his daughter. He can see you as his son and say, there's some things I want to challenge you in. There's some things I want you to grow up in. There's some things I want to ch- chastise you in, correct you in. But you are not wrong. Like like, like, there's a judgment against you. Something is wrong with me. No, 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 no. And here's the scripture that I want to share with you. Found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with Every spiritual blessing. Someone say every, every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every, not just some. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. I wish I had time to teach what that is, but if, you, if you're interested, let me give you a reading assignment. Just read on from Ephesians. You'll see there's about nine spiritual blessings that you're given you're chosen, you're accepted in the beloved, you're highly favored, you're redeemed, you're washed by the blood, you'll see all these things that you are blessed with, and it says that you are blessed with every, so when you feel like something is wrong with you, that's what you got to say, nope, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. Glory to God, have mercy. Amen. Amen. And what God has blessed, no man can curse. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Do you receive that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Here's one. Things never work out for me. Ever felt that one. Closely associated to number two, but things never work out for me. That's a childish thought. Put it away. Things never work out. And some of you... You're afraid of starting things because you've, this is what you believe. It's not going to work out. Why even start? It's not going to work out. Why even start? I'm not going to finish it. Why even start? It's not going to go anywhere. The same thing is going to happen, the same thing. No, no. Why even start? Things never work out. That's a childish thought. Put it away. You're mature. You know the truth. You can put that away. Look at what the Scripture says in Romans 8. 28 to 30, and we know. What do we know? We know that all things, someone say all things. All things. Say it again, all things. all things. That's what we know. We know. See, some people don't know it. It doesn't matter whether you, 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 you're experiencing it or not. Do you actually know that this is the truth? Because if you know that this is the truth, you'll start aligning your perspective differently. You'll start expecting differently, and you'll start seeing differently. We know. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined. There's a lot here, I know, but just please please try to try to eat this up here. I want you to see what, what he's saying here. For whom I'm gonna go back to 29, for whom he foreknew, he foreknew you. Sometimes people, this trips people up. They're like, well, it seems like God wrote the script out, and I'm just kind of like following what he wrote, right? And people have a hard time with predestination. Some people, I've had conversations like, well, you know, why do I even have to do this? God knows what I'm going to do. So it, wh- what will be will be. Like God is in control, and he's going to just make it happen anyway. And as I talked a little bit about last week, yes and no. God, God is certainly in control, and he's all-powerful. But you have a part to play. Let's just keep that in mind. And it says that his predestination, that means he predetermined what your destination is to be. Think of it like a GPS. Very simple. You ever get in a car, you put the GPS in, it tells you, okay, you should arrive in an hour's time. That's your destination. Right? You still have to drive. You still have to drive. God God tells you what the destiny is. You got to drive. But the Bible says that whom he foreknew, that means he knew something about you. He knew something. He didn't just make you, he knew you. I want you to see that. It says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined. That means because I know that this individual is going to receive me as Lord, as Savior, because I know this person is going to respond to the gospel, I'm going to predestine them for something. It's a slight difference, but it's a very important difference because sometimes people think that God is just saying, hey, you're going, I'm just going to choose it. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be cursed. You're to, I'm, I'm just, I just want you. It's just, no, no, no. God is doing it according to his foreknowledge. Don't ever forget that word foreknow. It's his foreknowledge that informs, if you would, Him predestining you. He says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's read the next scripture. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Someone say, I'm called. Called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he what? Glorified. This is why when we go back to 28, he says, guys, all things are going to work out for your good. All things are going to work out. Look at the kind of God you serve. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He called you. He justified you. He glorified you. Trust me. You're good. All things are going to work out for your good. If you are called according to God's purpose and you love God, it's working out. You have nothing to complain about. I mean, yeah, you know, something might go wrong here and there. The washing machine might break and, you know, all, all these little things. But trust me, you are good. And if you keep that perspective, glory to God, life becomes enjoyable. We don't have time, but if you continue to read. I love Romans 8. He says, he says so what should we say to these things? That's the question. So after all, what should we say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? That's what what you say to all that we read. God is for me. What can be against me? Praise the Lord. So I want you to know, all things are working out for your good. Praise the Lord. Don't ever curse yourself by saying things never work out. I'm by myself. Something must be wrong with me. I'm, I'm rejected. I'm not accepted. I can't do this. No, those are childish thoughts. Put them away in Jesus' name. Somebody say unlimited mind. Let me give you one last scripture. Is this good? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, therefore, I remind you. I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. That's why you can stir up the gift that is in you. He says, I remind you, stir up the gift that is in you. Some of you, you have a gift of healing. In fact, let me just say this. Next week, I'm going to minister healing. I feel the Lord's been stirring me for the last few weeks to designate the following Sunday, the following Sunday or the first Sunday of March for, uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to concentrate on healing. There's going to be some great breakthroughs. Physical healings, emotional healings, healing in the mind. Come next Sunday for healing. There's going to be a flow of healing in Jesus' name. There's going to be a breakthrough of healing. I know that by the Spirit. Some of you, you have that. And, and this, is, this is, let me just give you what March looks like because I'm really excited about this. Melissa, who I think, oh, she's right here. She's going to be ministering the second week of March on, yeah. <laughs> on prophecy. On prophecy. There's a gift of prophecy on her life. And we recognize that and we want to. We want to give space for it. Praise the Lord. But healing and prophecy and other things that we're going to do for the month of March, it's really, first and foremost, to bless you. But secondly, it's going to stir you up to release that same gift. Because some of you have the gift of prophecy. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of healing. Many gifts. And this is your time to step into it. Like I said, I'm going to stretch you. We're going to push you. You're going to do it in the name of Jesus. No longer will you just see yourself as a baby Christian. I'm just still learning. I'm just kind of like trying to. No. Get that limited thinking out. You need to start seeing yourself as a spiritual giant. You need to see yourself as someone who is qualified to do more in the kingdom of God. I may not know a hundred scriptures. I may not have everything down pat. I may be working on some things, but I'm qualified to be a part of what God is doing in the kingdom of God. This is my time, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to release it with all boldness, with all authority, with all signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. This is your time for that. Thank you, Jesus. So bring the sick next week bring the sick, bring the sick. If you know anyone who is sick with any kind of disease, they're going to receive healing in the name of Jesus. We've seen some powerful demonstrations of healing right in this place. We're going to see more in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's just give God thanks for what He's going to do next week. I just want to do that right now. Father, <laughs> we thank you. Hallelujah. For every person that will receive healing in their physical body, in their mind, in their heart, broken hearts, we call healed right now. We're just going into next week right now. We're releasing that healing anointing in the name of Jesus. We declare that every yoke is destroyed. Every burden is removed in the name of the Lord. Bodies are freed. Minds are decluttered and freed. People are whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And we are entering into greater glory. We are entering into greater glory. Yeah. So these life groups that are coming in, for instance, you know, soon, and, you know, you'll, you'll have opportunities to minister to people. You'll have opportunities to, to just release. And we'll, we want to just share some things with you on how to do that more effectively in the month of March. But this is the time to minister and to demonstrate Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We bless you. Stir up the gift. Somebody say, stir up the gift. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind, and a sound mind. Right now, if you have a cluttered mind, I declare in the name of Jesus, that clutter is going. That clutter is going. That rubbish is going. That garbage is going. That many voices, they're leaving I, I speak clarity into your mind, into your thoughts. I speak right now just a clear mind in Jesus' name. Yeah, receive that. No more clutter. No more second guessing. No more questioning. No more hedging. No more being reluctant. No more being afraid. Soundness of mind is your portion in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. I want to close out by giving an invitation to anyone and everyone who is yet to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what it's all about. It all starts with a relationship with Christ. I know many of us have received Jesus. Shout if you receive Jesus. Amen. Shout if he's done something miraculous in your life. Yeah. Some of you are like, eh, yeah, yeah. But I know, I know that the Lord has done some amazing things in your life. I know. But maybe you're in this place and you're like, this sounds great, but I want to experience that also in my own life. I want this personal relationship with Jesus. I don't want to take any chances. I know most of you. I don't know all of you. If you don't know Christ, this is your opportunity to receive him. All you need to do is simply invite him into your heart. What you're doing is you're saying, I need you. You know, I used to think that was the simplest thing to do. Like, who, would, who wouldn't want to be saved? Like, what, what's, what's so hard about that? Like, what's so hard by but just saying, Jesus, I need you? And I, in my life, I've come across people that found that very, very difficult. And in my maturity, I, I started to understand why. I understand what was happening. Sometimes it's hard to admit that something is wrong with me outside of Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to admit that I need something that I cannot provide for myself. It's hard to admit that I've been doing it wrong all this time. I want to believe, no, no, I've always had God in my life. No, I've always been, oh, I'm always good. No, no, no. and you're, you're, you're telling me that, no, wait a minute. You, you, I didn't have God in my life. Like, like I, I was wrong this whole time? That's hard to admit, no, no, I was born perfect. I was born right. I was, God God was with me all the time in my heart. I'm good. The reality is you weren't. He was with you. He loved you. Yes, he was pull, pulling on you, speaking to you, but he wasn't in your heart unless you asked him to come. Yeah. So outside of Christ, you weren't good. You weren't, you know, you, you needed a Savior. And so as I would share that with people, I realized this is hard for people to admit. I need something I can't provide for myself. If that's you, there's no shame. (laughs) Because everyone's in the same boat. There was no one that was born sinless. No one. Everyone was born a sinner. Right? What one-year-old you know that's not selfish? (laughs) You know any one-year-old that doesn't it's not, that's not inconsiderate, that's not rude? Who can care less if you didn't sleep? You know any one-year-old who says, you know what, let me not wake up my parents because I knew they had a hard day today and let me just be cool and wait. What two-year-old doesn't throw a temper tantrum when they don't get their way? What three-year-old isn't selfish? Think about it. <laughs> it's innate, and we take it so normal and natural, we think, oh, that's just what it is. Let me tell you something. If sin was never in this world, there would never be a thing of selfishness, even for a three-year-old. You wouldn't have to teach them right and wrong. That's how you know everyone's born a sinner, right? So, if you're in this place and you've never said, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. I'm speaking to you right now. Would you bow your head? I want to lead you on what we call a salvation prayer. Say this with me Father, today I recognize my need for salvation. Jesus, you're that way of salvation. You died for me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that for the very first time. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.